people of Stanwich Church, the Lord be with you. As introduced, my name is Tim Brown, and I am thrilled, absolutely thrilled to be here. I've known your pastor, I think, a lot longer than you have, and he is the genuine article. I have taught preaching now for nearly a quarter of a century. Add that up, we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young men and women uh, have heard me teach them about preaching, and I want you to know that this guy is among the best of the very best, and you got him. I'd like to continue on. There's more here in this Genesis story, and I want us to hear a little bit more. Listen to these words from the book that we love. In the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, when, when no plant was in the field or no herb had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the soil, but a stream would rise up in the middle of the earth and water the entire ground. Then the Lord God formed a man out of the earth, and he breathed into him the breath of life, and he became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden to the east and put the man there to till the soil and to keep it. Out of the ground, the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is beautiful to the sight and good for food. The tree of life is in the middle of the garden, as is the tree of good and evil. A river flows out of the garden, and from there it branches into four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It circles the land of Havilah, where there's gold, and the gold there is good. Delium and onyx are there as well. The second river, the Gihon, circles the land of Cush. The third river, the Tigris, flows east of Assyria, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man that he had and put him in the garden to till and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded him, you may eat freely of any tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For on the day you eat of it, you will die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he took from his side a rib, and he fashioned from that rib a woman. And he awakened the man, and he said, This at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. She was taken from my side. This is the word of the Lord. Some kind of story, isn't it? It's, it's our story. Nathan said, Tim, just preach as long as you want. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm going to preach as long as you want. So when someone gets tired of me talking, just raise a hand and we're out of here. 
No, but, but don't raise your hand too quickly, though, because there's a few things we have to see, and, and they're all really quite obvious. You don't need me to point them out, but I'll point them out anyway. The first one is the remarkable power, the unbelievable power of the word of the living God. And God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. God speaks, and everything comes into existence. Which is to say, to disregard the word of God is actually not a matter of disobedience. It's inviting disintegration. Everything came into existence because of God. And if you don't respond to that, you don't exist. And God said, it is the remarkable power of the word of the living God. Jesus believed this when he went off into the wilderness with the devil to duel after a 40-day fast. He said to him, a person does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What a sad thing to not allow yourself to hear the voice of the living God through the word of God. And it requires a kind of virtue on our parts, a practice that, frankly, in our cultural moment, we're not particularly good at. And that is being quiet. In order to hear the word of God, you have to be quiet. Be still and know that I am God. Um, I'm, I'm guessing maybe someone here has heard the name Shel Silverstein. Okay, I love his poetry. It's always so fine and so funny. Well, here's my favorite Shel Silverstein poem. I think, can I, I can quote that here, can I? Okay. Um, it's called Noise Day. Let there be one day for girls and for boyses when they can make the grandest noises. Chomp, chew, hiccup, and burp. Ride a skateball up a wall. Try to bounce a bowling ball. Eat your food with a chomp and a slurp. Chomp, chew, hiccup, and burp. On one day, do all of these. The rest of the days, let there be silence, please. <laughs> Practice the virtue of being silent. Not a bad idea to fast every now and again from your technology. I, I frankly won't let students in my classroom with their smartphones. I say, right here, just leave them right here, right now. You've got to be quiet in order to hear the voice of God. That's the first thing that I wanted to say. Here's the next thing I wanted to say. It stuns me, absolutely stuns me, the intimacy that God is longing for with us. What did you make of this? And he formed a man from the dust of the earth, and he breathed into his, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being. We're talking about mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. That's what God is doing with us. He wants to be close to us and near to us. Now, I want to point something else up that's really quite interesting. I don't know if you feel it, but I feel with every verse in this chapter, somebody is trying to push through to say, hey, wait a minute, I belong there too. It's Jesus. You remember this scripture from John? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and without the Word was not anything made that was made. 
which is to say that Jesus Christ, the, the tone of God's voice is Galilean. It's Jesus who is speaking through him and calling everything into existence. And this is the Jesus who wants to be intimate with us, to draw near us. Don't, don't, don't settle for a kind of propositional faith if therefore. Settle only for an intimate relationship with the living God who longs for that in us through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who's speaking here, and Jesus Christ is the one that we need to listen to. He's everywhere we go. Didn't he once say, I think, I feel sure he said this, I will not leave you desolate, I will come to you. You know, um, Nathan, that was a great video thing last night. I just wish some of it were true. Um, but I, it, what is true is I have been a teacher for the last 25 years, and for 20 years before that, I was a pastor. I was a pastor for most of those years at Christ Memorial Church in Holland, Michigan. One of the things that punctuated our congregation were hundreds and hundreds of college kids. I think that's where I got my love for working with uh, undergraduate and postgraduate uh, young men and women. And there was one college kid in that bunch, a little older than you, so you probably will remember his name, Tim Vanderveen from Spring Lake, Michigan. He used to work the lobby of our church like a politician running for office, shaking everybody's hand, saying hi to everyone. He had long, curly blonde hair, smile as bright as the dawn. Every mother at Christ Memorial Church wanted their daughter to marry Tim Vanderveen. I remember the day he graduated from Hope College. I was there as he turned his tassel toward the sun. I was actually the commencement speaker that day, so I got to shake his hand and embrace him. What I didn't know then, and what he didn't know, that his death was already at work within his body. Shortly after graduation, he would, he would be diagnosed with leukemia. It would be a long four-year battle that he would end up losing, or, or winning, you be the judge. I want you to come with me to room 5255 Butterworth Hospital in Grand Rapids. It's now called Spectrum Health. You can change all the names and room numbers, but you can't change the story. I walked into his room. I hate that room to this very day. Uh, Tim was laying on his side. His long curly hair was gone. He's too weak and tired to smile. His mother was sitting in the corner weeping. Because he couldn't roll over, I got down on my knees to look at him eyeball to eyeball. And I said, hi, Tim. He said to me, hi, Tim. Now, I'd been a pastor for a while, and I still didn't know what to say right then and there. So I just didn't say anything. He broke the silence. He said, um, Tim, I've, I've learned something. Now, I know this much. You don't trifle with the words of a dying man. You just listen. I said, what have you learned? 
He said, I have learned that life is not like a VCR. Now, most of you in the room don't even know what a VCR <laughs> is, but it was the ancient forerunner to the DVD. I knew what he meant. It's not like a VCR. I said, I, I, don't, I don't get it. He said, you know, you cannot fast forward the bad parts. I'm thinking to myself, where does he get this stuff? Then he broke that silence and said, but I've learned something else. Jesus Christ is in every frame. And for me, that's just enough. Just enough. It was just enough in room 5255 when he breathed his last here that he would breathe his first in heaven and that Jesus Christ would be in every frame. When I read this early chapters of the Bible, I see Jesus Christ pushing his way through because he wants to push his way through into our lives. Am, am I making myself clear? I was thinking someone would say amen right there. That was a great line. Jesus Christ pushes his way through every text, pushes his way through every person's life so that he may be with them. Where you are, I will be also. He wants intimacy with us. And then, and then one last thing. I don't want to go too long. I don't care anymore about time. I'm just going for it. The, the one last thing that I want you to see is the, the remarkable kindness of God to invite us into participation with him. I mean, he says to Adam and to Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion over the fish of the seas and the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the creeping things, over everything. You participate with me in this process. Isn't that remarkable? I mean, God can do this all by himself. He doesn't need us to do a thing. But he's willing to draw us into the act. And it doesn't just stop in Genesis. It goes straight through the Bible. God raised up Amos. When Israel had gone off the rails, God raised up every one of the prophets. And then he finally raised up Jesus to make it perfectly clear who he was and what his purposes are. When God does what God does, he uses people to do it. And it's always been this way. You, you know the name of William Wilberforce. He wrote, worked for decades to stop the abomination of slave trade to the West. And then on, the, on our end of it, Abraham Lincoln wrote the, the Emancipation Proclamation to put an end to it. But we all know that both his efforts and Lincoln's efforts only sent bigotry and racism underground and it would crop up all over the world. And who did God use when he wanted to end it finally? He asked Rosa Parks, to sit in the front seat of the bus, and don't you dare move, Rosa, this bus is for you, and Martin Luther King to bellow over the bus, I have a dream. And his dream, of course, is that all of us, as God's children, would live fairly and freely before one another. When God does what God does in the world, he does it through people. And let me go out on a limb. You are people. Which is to say, he's going to use you. You, it's you in all of your intimate particularity, with your peculiar concerns and issues and wonderings. 
God doesn't care. He just drafts you into his work because when God does what God does in the world, he does it through people just like you. So just to let you know, I'm kind of coming to the end here, so just hang with me for another minute or two. God uses people to do the work. I want to tell you about one of those people. Um, Some years ago, I got drafted by the New York Yankees to play third base. No, that's not true. (laughs) I got drafted by Trans World Radio, along with another teacher friend of mine, to travel to remote parts of the Middle East to meet those people from Iran who had become Christian believers through radio. It's really a remarkable thing. There are, even in Iran, which is such a terrible place to live, there are pockets of gospel witness that are working. I want to tell you about uh, Mariam and Mahmoud, whom I met in Istanbul. I was there for six days to preach and to teach and to cheer them on, along with my teacher friend. And I wanted, during every break, to see if I could hear their stories. Who are you? How did you come become a follower of Jesus? I'll tell you about Mariam and Mahmoud. Mahmoud and Mariam live in a little flat in an industrial city on the southern end of Iran called Shiraz. Every day, Mahmoud gets up out of his little flat into his tiny subcompact car and weaves his way through the city to his place of employment. He passes by every day an old boarded up Armenian church. Now, I need to remind you that before the fall of the Shah and the rise of the Ayatollah, Iran was clearly populated with Christian believers who could freely state their their claims of Christ. But when the Shah was fallen and the Ayatollahs arose, churches were systematically shut down. Laws were instituted that no one could give witness uh, to the Christian faith. When they closed the church that Mahmoud drives by every day, they made a tactical error. They left the church billboard in front. First Reformed Church, Shiraz, or something, I don't know what the name was, but the scripture passage on the bottom of the billboard, I know very well, it was this one. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. Mahmoud wondered to himself, who is this who says that? In fact, It bothered him so much that he decided he would take another route to work so he wouldn't have to be confronted with that voice, that strange, mysterious, powerful voice. But it was too late. The verse had already jumped off the billboard and into his heart. One night, Mariam and Mahmoud are fast asleep in their little flat when in the middle of the night, A blinding light accosts Mahmoud, and a voice comes from the light, and the voice says, Mahmoud, Mahmoud, it is I, Jesus, the one who troubles you from the sign. And at the sound of the voice of Jesus, a thousand thousand knots were untied in Mahmoud's soul, and he became a follower of Jesus, just like that. 
Thank you. Thank you. But, but he had a problem. He couldn't tell Maryam for fear that Maryam would tell someone who would tell someone else who would tell the police and he'd be thrown in jail. So he resolved in his spirit to say nothing to his wife and his resolution was strong for about 30 seconds. <laughs> Maryam said to him, Mahmoud, what is wrong with you? And, and he just spilled the beans. He told the story about the billboard and the, and the light and the voice and his new affection for this one called Jesus. And while he's telling her that, she begins to tremble and weep. Mahmoud says to Maryam, Maryam, what is wrong? She said to him, Mahmoud, he appeared to me as well. Maryam or Mahmoud said to her, Maryam, what did he say to you? She said, he said to me, Mariam, Mariam, it is I, Jesus, the one who troubles Mahmoud from the sign. <laughs> and at the sound of that voice, a thousand thousand knots were untied in her soul, and she became a follower of Jesus. I'm inviting you to participate in what God is doing in the world. Oh, I should add to to the story that, that, that my first meeting with them was maybe 12 or 15 years ago, maybe not quite that far, but I was with them again just a few years ago in Yerevan, Armenia. There they were, Mariam and Mahmoud. They now have children and they are pastors of a mega church in downtown Shiraz, right in the heart of Iran. If, of course, you consider an 18-member house fellowship to be a megachurch. <laughs> but it is. When God does what God does in the world, he does it through you. And I'm hoping that someday your pastor invites me back to preach again. And when I come back, I want standing room only because you have participated with the Spirit in leading someone to Jesus because I don't think everybody is a believer here, but God will use you to help that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Oh, nice.